Blog Talk Radio. The following has taken place during Total Sports Live. Um, I transferred to Brevard by way of Bowie State, 
you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. just been it's been a marvelous journey. You know, it's uh, been rocky, but, I mean, if it was easy, everybody else would be doing it. That's the way I really look at it. Uh, but it's been a great journey. You know, I had I played around with some great athletes at Brevard College. You know, I did a great job of really solidifying myself and really developing into a defensive athlete as opposed to leaving college just being a defensive tackle. You know, um, I had uh, great statistics over my uh, three years of playing at Brevard. You know, I uh, started off as a rotational guy my sophomore year. My junior year is kind of like on and off between me and uh, uh, a former Brevard College Tornado, Augustus Dukley. You know, so he uh, definitely taught me the ways of the defense, of the defensive line per se, with uh, the great um, Justin Jefferson as my head coach. Well, not head coach, I'm sorry, defensive line coach. Paul Hamilton is the head coach of Brevard. Um, you know, I had a solid junior year. My senior, my senior year was pretty it – it was okay. You know, it could have gone better. You know, I had a, an Achilles injury. I'm 100% healthy now. I ran a 4.87 last week. Uh, you know, so my run is no, no problem. Um, I mean, I had a, a pretty solid career at Brevard College, you know. Um, I don't regret anything. You know, if I could start from scratch, I wouldn't change anything. You know, and, uh, I mean, I left – I think I'm number four on the school's list for single-game stacks in the game. I have two-and-a-half stacks in the game. You know, so at least I left my name in the record books. You know, not saying I only play for records, but I left my mark on the program, you know, and I'm definitely ready to build from this point on. Definitely, definitely. And as you said, you know, your 40 time, 487, you did the three cone in 786 seconds, which is which is damn near fast as fast. Your short shuttle, 455, you did uh, 33 reps and 33 reps at 225 pounds. I mean, uh, when I watched your film, like you said, you were, you know, you were, what I wrote down, you clogged up the middle. You uh, you got good jump on the ball, strong. You got good technique with your hands. You're, you're, you're fast. You don't give up on the play. You pretty much bring in a bring a, a different quality of defensive tackle that we that we kind of need in the National Football League because the defensive tackle wasn't they didn't, NFL teams back then didn't look at defensive tackle that guy that needs to be quick and you know now all of a sudden your your defensive tackle has to be quick especially in in a three four defense. Yes, sir. Uh, so when we look at I was, mm-hmm. You go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I didn't have. I, no, I wasn't. I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything else to say. You can go ahead. No, I didn't. I didn't mean to cut you off. But uh, you're talking about uh, speed. Uh, you know, when I initially started playing defensive tackle, let's say back in high school, mm-hmm. when I really transitioned to playing defensive tackle, I was so I was one dimensional in high school. You know, and I feel like that's why mm-hmm. I was really overlooked by a lot of Division One programs because I was more just playing the line as opposed to playing the line, you know, getting into the backfield, pursuing upfield, you know, and that's one thing. The mm-hmm. speed of the game in the NFL has changed. You know, the game's changing, you know, with rules and everything like that, but the speed of the game has changed. You know, we see read options mm-hmm. in the NFL, and, you know, me coming from a predominantly option um, offensive system, and especially in my conference, I see the option a lot. You know, I feel like I could definitely transition well to when coaches try to throw that trickery into their playbooks. But, uh, you know, yeah, I definitely – I always pride myself on my speed. You know, my dad never raised me – and train me to ever think of myself as a big guy. You know, I've always, I've always ran sprints with, you know, with uh, track. You know, people who do track as their main sport. You know, just because I'm so competitive. You know, but uh, I definitely thank you, thank you for uh, the compliment on my speed. No doubt, definitely. I'm going to turn it over Richard. to my co-host Erskine Hahn to ask you a few questions. Go ahead, Erskine. Yes, sir. Have a newfound respect for the defensive lineman in the NFL and in the college level. Recently, I was I did the Vinny Terry show. He's a defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles. 
and mm-hmm. um, I've had the chance to hang out with them um, a few times, and we just we just talk a lot of X's and O's, and especially when it comes to the defensive line position. One thing I saw yeah. from you that sticks out on tape is the fact that can set it at the next level quick, quick titch. I mean, quick. Um, titch muscle. Pretty much what I'm saying is your feet, your footwork, when I watched you on film, it was very good. It really was. And it really made me think that in a 3-4 defense, you could easily play the zero technique. You could easily mm-hmm. play the five technique. And at the 4-3 defense, defense as well, you could also play the three technique as well. But the thing uh-huh. is for me, Richard, how did you develop your hands? Because I was looking at a couple of your highlights, and I really saw that you play with a lot of leverage, and you really understand the pad level. And a lot of people, even at the Division One level, they still don't master that at your senior when they're a senior. But I, when I watched your, you understood leverage. You really did. And Benny has told me multiple times that he considered Benny Logan the nose tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. He, he said that they that he was the most important defensive player, and because yeah. he said the zero technique in a three four defense is the most important position because yes. you yes. are the one who dictates how the exactly. um, how the going to affect you. So I want you to talk about your ability to get into the backfield, and, I, and then secondly, I want you to talk about your development when it comes to your hands. Okay, so the first question was just getting into the backfield. Um, uh, well, I, I'm just a go-getter. You know, all in all, that that's really how I, how you could say it in short. But in order to get into the backfield, um, you know, my father, uh, Richard Torres Sr., and my defensive line coach, Justin Jefferson, and, you know, the plethora of uh, of uh, defensive coordinators I had at Brevard College and at my time defensive coaches, they've always taught me, you know, um, take care of what you got to take care of initially. So, a lot of guys, not necessarily trying to throw any shade at anybody, a lot of guys go wrong because they try to look at how the play's developing in the backfield. How I get into the backfield is I just, I get, I like, you know, I like um, for the first series, it's always like a, a back and forth between me and another guy if he's really good. Now, if that guy just flat out isn't good, then, I mean, it's, I'm just a not, like I'm just dominating competition. But the first series, I always try to take take heed and try to understand how that guy plays. Like some centers with their, there's some center of the ladies with their offhand, so they let their offhand sit and stay. So if you're going to let your offhand sit and then you're going to try to punch me with the hand you're snapping the ball with, I have to take I have to take advantage of the fact that you're not using that offhand and I have to, you know, make a move off of that. You know, and we have some centers in our conference who, um, you know, who cut initially whenever just straight off the snap. So the way I really taught myself to really get back there is obviously through coaching and just I've been in so many um, situations to the point where – you know, I play neutral. You know, a lot of guys, they put a lot of pressure on their hands and everything like that. So I was taught to put a lot of that weight in my, like, you know, in my lower extremities so that when I fire off, my hands can move a whole lot faster. And then instead of firing off and, my up, and there's a lot of pressure in my upper body and I'm standing up, um, you know, so I try to use that. And basically I try to play it off of the lineman in front of me, you know, and I mean, from that point on, just playing low and just trying to get that initial move off. You know, I always try to get that punch once. If, if a lot of allows me to get that punch, I separate myself and I get around. I throw my hips. It's just like a natural habit of always expecting the double team throwing my hips, and then I just clear it through. Now, as far as my hands, um, I've worked with uh, speed, speed and training coordinator Alonzo Ruffin uh, out of Columbia and Accelerate Your Game. He did a great job of 
teaching me quickness, you know, and uh, if there's a vert max, and he puts, like, straps on my hands. So um, probably, like, 100 pounds of resistance. So whenever I step, I have to punch, you know. So that right there really started um, – I really had that tattooed mentally that, you know, whenever I step, I have to throw my hands, you know, because when I was younger, I used to play – like I say, 11th grade, I used to really play off of speed. So I would just try to dip and rip and try to get through there. But now as I got older, I understood that the hands are the legal weapons you're allowed to use in the game of football, you know. So, And a lot of guys are, are kind of late. I don't necessarily wait for a guy to shoot his hand. Sometimes you got to get into that chest and you just got to go ahead, you know, and go forth. But, um, I mean, a lot of times with my hands, I, like when I do ladder or something like that, I always try to move my hands whenever I do ladder. A lot of guys, whenever they do, like, ladder or footwork drills, they don't move their arms. So if you're not moving your arms, it's not going to translate over into the game. So, you know, I always try to have right. my hands. They keep their hands down at their sides. They keep their hands down at their sides when doing that workout. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you, you always got to keep mm-hmm. your hands moving. You always got to keep your hands moving during a game of football. You always got to keep your head on the slope. Because trust me, if you don't do one of the two, so Rich, to take advantage of that. So, Rich, let me ask you this um, third question. Rick, what would you consider this? Because when I saw you, I saw a lot of the ripping guy, and I also saw you do the bull rush. But what do you think is your best move? Uh, I don't want to say I'm one-dimensional because I'm not, but my best move by far, it really depends on my opponent. Um, You know, I'd say my bull rush is what I do, and then I try to rip off my bull rush. But sometimes I could just just dump dump that man off. But it really all depends on what type of offense I'm playing. You know, uh, if they're zoning, I could probably rip a whole lot more than bull rush. But if it's like a, just a traditional offense, and I'm definitely bull rushing, you know, but it's, it it really all depends on my shade and a lot of things, but I've I've always been complimented on my bull rush. Yeah, your bull rush is very apparent when you watch your film. Javon, do you have any? I know you have some questions for Richard because he I think he's going to be a um, a very good prospect at the next level, and I think that he's going to be successful as well. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have about. Uh, we have about 15 minutes left here on the Total Sports Live podcast as we're talking in 2015 NFL Draft prospect Richard Torres Jr. from Brevard, from Brevard College. And Richard, when you uh, who do you when you coming up coming up in the coming up playing football, playing in college, high school, you know, who do you try to model your game after? Like, who did you say? Well, when I'm, I'm since I'm playing defense tackle, this is the kind of player I model my game after, or, I, or that I watch. Uh. That's a good question, you know, and originally I'm from the Pittsburgh area, you know, so I'm a Steelers fan. So I really grew up during that, uh, that like, reincarnation of, uh, what is it, the, the Steel Curtain, you know, Palomalu, Joey mm-hmm. Porter, uh, Brett Kiesel, mm-hmm. Casey Hampton, you know. So um, passion-wise, passion I try to model myself after Joey Porter because the things I've seen Joey Porter do, whether it's coming, up, coming, you know, around the edge and just hitting the quarterback, firing up his teammates, you know, I try to be like Joey Porter, but in a sense, I model my game after Casey Hampton um, as far as the defensive line play goes, you know, because Casey did a great job of just stuffing the holes, holding down centers and guards, and allowing all of his, his middle linebackers to really make those those um, key reads in order for the defense to be successful. So, uh, really, growing up, I really try to model myself after Casey Hampton. You know, I wore, when I first came to college, I wore 98, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I wore 98 primarily because of Casey Hampton. 
Um, you know, and I mean, I wore 99 in high school because I was really big on Warren Sapp. You know, but just just Casey Hampton, the way he played, and you know, he's not necessarily as big as other guys height wise. You know, so that was definitely a lot of motivation right there. Uh, so I, I would say I was a little bit of a mixture of a playing wise Casey Hampton, but passion wise and just just getting to it like Joey Porter. You know, who was an awesome outside linebacker. Definitely, hey, Javon, I, can't, I got I can't. one question for you. Mm-hmm. Javon, um, yeah, you know, like it's pretty funny that you were talking about. It was pretty funny he was talking about um, Casey Hampton and the time that me and you have seen the Pittsburgh Steelers and we know a lot about their organization. They do have a lot of similarities when you watch them on film. And that leads me to ask you, Richard, have you taken any visits? I know you probably have taken some visits. And um, what did you think of some of the teams that you have visited this far during the uh, process? I mean, thus far, you know, every every team's been been great. You know, as far as like uh, hospitality wise, and just just seeing just seeing all the facilities. You know, and I mean, it, it's overwhelming at, initially because you know it's um, being a small school guy. You know what I mean? They don't. A lot of people don't necessarily expect the small school guys to really get out there, but the visits have been awesome. You know what I mean? And I've been in contact with teams via uh, phone calls, you know. And, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of positive things. I can't necessarily say anything concrete at the moment, you know, but, um, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing the same thing that you guys are telling me as far as my quickness and my speed and uh, my, my power. But a lot of times, you know, what I, what I like to hear, and, and I may be different from other people, a lot of times I strive off my downfall, so – if I have negatives, you know, I've been working on my negatives all off season. I watch each and every game I play collegially about four, five, six times just to try to see, okay, I did this wrong. Okay, I stepped with this. You know, so I'm, I'm definitely I, – anybody who speaks to me, whether it's a scout, you know, or if I'm speaking to my agent, I'm explaining to them that, you know, I want to know about my, my negatives before I know about, you know, what I do well. You know, so I can, so I can bring my negatives up, up to par with what I'm doing right, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's that's very good because that was because that was actually going to lead me into my next question: What are your strengths and weaknesses? So when you do get a chance to you know sit down and watch your game film, like you said, you sit down three or four or five times a five times a day, just sitting there, just saying, "Well, this is what I need to work on, and I'm gonna get better at it." What do you say? What do you say are your strengths and your weaknesses? Well, my strengths uh, would say my quickness off the ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know my ability to to get back into a block because I know sometimes playing zone teams, you, I would say it's a negative. It's a positive and a negative. It's a positive because sometimes when we play zone teams, I sometimes when I'm supposed to play a gap, I'll play head up, and then I try to work my mm-hmm. way to my gap. So sometimes I'm over aggressive at times, you know. But I've been playing a game of reckless abandon for so long, you know. But I could definitely adjust that. Um, so I can say I'm overly aggressive at times. Um, you know, some, sometimes, you know what I mean, like uh, especially playing in the option option uh, division or conference, some it I would read at times. So, like, you know, I know I just said earlier in the show, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, but I definitely worked on it. But playing in that option offense or playing against it, you don't know if that fullback's going to get the ball or if the quarterback's going to get the ball. So we have a certain play where I have to either come down and get the fullback or I'm going to go down and I'm going to get the quarterback. You know, so I say a, a negative – would be uh, sometimes being overly aggressive and sometimes peaking and not necessarily letting that play develop. Um, you know, but as far as as far as the negatives go, I mean, there may be more from you guys' perspective, but those are the negatives, negatives that I picked up on. And as far as my strengths, I mean, my hustle to the ball, 
you're not going to necessarily find a defensive tackle that's going to run 20 yards upfield and go and get a tackle or go and try to strip somebody or just, just go and run just as a security blanket just because we've seen some crazy things. You know, I didn't watch uh, one game. I think Marshawn, he should have been tackled like a few times, and Marshawn Lynch just ended up scoring, you know, just because of, you know, faulty defensive play, you know. So that's one thing. I always want to be there and just be that security blanket, you know. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree with you totally about that. I, I like. I like both. I like. I like that. I like that response pretty much. I really do. We have about nine minutes here left on the Total Sports Live podcast. As I said, we're talking the 2015 NFL Draft prospect Richard Torres Jr. I'm going to turn it over to Erskine if he has any more questions for you. So Erskine, take it away. Um, to ask you, what do you think about the fact that? NFL teams and organizations, well, NFL organizations have been looking more to the quote-unquote lower different divisions like the Division Two and Division Three. We're seeing that with Ali uh, Marpert, um, is it Hobart? Hobart, I think, because I remember us seeing him at the Senior Bowl, and it's, uh, you can most you can see a lot these past. You can probably say these past. Six years has been more due diligence when it comes to players at different uh, levels. Can you talk about that and the fact that maybe probably it, it would have been a little bit harder for you to get on the map, but people know who yeah. you are. Like pe- people in NFL circles know who you are. They really do because your talent speaks mm-hmm. volumes when you're watching yourself on tape. So can you just talk about that, that? The fact that um, that that there's some very good Division two and Division three players who can play in the yeah. NFL. Yeah, well, as as far as um, you know, that's uh, something me and my friend, uh, uh, me and my, a lot of my friends here at Brevard College speak about, and I tell them it's it's a hard process. Believe me, it's a it's a tough process, you know. But like I said earlier in the show, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But just with just seeing a lot of Division two and Division three small school guys. Like, Lyndon Fletcher came from a Division three school, and he had an awesome NFL career. You know, um, Jerry Rice came from a 1AA school, which isn't Division two or Division three, but it's small. You know, so I think over time, uh, the NFL scope and everything on small school guys has grown. I'm, we're, we're, we're just a hungry breed of individuals, not knocking guys who play Division one or Division one AA. We're a, we're a hungry breed of individuals for the simple fact that we're overlooked sometimes, you know, and – Sometimes there's guys who are placed above us that don't that shouldn't necessarily be there. But the fact that um, the 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 gentleman who got the interception at the uh, the Super Bowl, I don't I don't remember his name, but he was a a Division two school guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I feel like the more and more that Division two and Division three or small school guys step up to the plate, the more and more the NFL is going to realize like. You know, there's there's actually talent down there, you know, and consistent talent. You know, I know sometimes it may be a stretch, but they may look at it as a stretch or, you know, I mean, a, like, you know, a leap of faith. But, I mean, we're, we're, we're Division two and small school guys. We can, we can perform just like up big school guys, you know. We just got to give us an opportunity all the time. You're definitely right about that, but you're starting to get the teams that are more successful have been hitting that pipeline, speaking of, like, teams like the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, the New England Patriots, I know, have, and even um, most recent years, even the Denver Broncos have been bringing in players. 
for yep. um, even free agent undrafted players and the Indianapolis Colts. And you're starting to see that. And even the Seattle Seahawks. So yep. I understand what you're saying. I'm really happy to answer that question. You did a fantastic job. Yes, they have. It's an awesome job. I mean, it's, it's, it, for some guys, for the, for the small school guys who are thinking about taking that, taking that leap, go ahead. You know, because there's, there's guys now that are trying to, that are securing that, that whole, you know, quote unquote athletic gap, you know, because we can perform just with anyone else, you know. So, we have about five minutes left here on the TSL podcast. And a couple more questions for Richard. And uh, one of the questions that everybody always, always asks me to ask. Our, uh, our prospects that come on the show is what is your motivation when it comes to the game of football? Like what keeps what keeps you going, especially during the draft process or you going through training? Like what just keeps you going and motivated through this process? The the two things that keep me motivated throughout this process are I, I pray a lot. I pray nu- numerous times a day, probably ten, probably more times than that a day. And my family, um, my father, mm-hmm. my mother, my sister, my brother. You know, my immediate family, like my household, and even like my, my family that's not necessarily in my household, my family keeps me going. I talk to my dad four times a day. I know sometimes he doesn't want to talk to me. I talk to my sister, my mother numerous times, you know, because the mom's always going to be a mom, and my little brother. You know, because my little brother is developing into uh, a phenomenal athlete, you know, and, and it's scary mm-hmm. to see all of the things that he's absorbed from me. So my brother keeps me going. You know, he's the, I'm not saying, not necessarily trying to rank anybody, but my little brother is the reason why I keep doing what I'm doing because just sending each other right. text messages in the morning, like, go get it. You know, I sent my little brother a text message. I even tweeted him the other day. I told him he didn't want to go to track practice. I told him, don't worry, bro. Everything, this is going to pay off in the long run. Be great, you know. So mm-hmm. my family, my family in the Lord, you know, I just, I pray in my family. You know, my mom will keep me saying on days when I think, you know, maybe I should know. My mom was like, no, boy, you better focus on what you got to focus on and keep going. My dad, the same way. You know, it's my family, ultimately. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely, I really, I, I always like to ask that question because we, uh, we always get the real, you know, heartfelt, genuine answers like about that, just like the family, how, you know, they really keep you, they really keep you going through this process because, like, as you know, as you said, like, you're doing you're doing this for them, and you like you said you got a little brother who's looking to, who's who's looking up to you and seeing you do you know amazing things, and it's just like you're setting that example for him, saying you know if exactly. you keep on working hard, this is where you know you can end up, you can you can accomplish your dreams if you just keep on put, you keep on putting the effort forward. Exactly, exactly, and I and I, and I know it's thinking, and I know Rakai knows what he has to do. My sister knows what she has to do. You know, we we all rely mm-hmm. on each other. You know, we all push each other mm-hmm. as family. That's that's nothing. That's nothing but respect here on both of our ends. Here, uh, two minutes left here on the podcast. And last question here to uh, to wrap it up is: Me and Erskine were NFL GMs, so let's just say the Patriots. He's a he's the GM. I'm the assistant GM. What would you what and you had to tell us why we should draft you? Why should we draft Richard Tor, Richard Torres Jr. from Brevard College? Okay, well, I feel like not even I feel like I know bringing a player like me into your organization, you're bringing in a hard worker. I work, I overwork. 
when whenever other players are clocking out, practice is over. No, practice is never over because I want to critique myself as a player. And ultimately, yeah, because I'm still a student of the game. So you're bringing in a guy who's going to do that, those extra efforts. You tell guys, you know, three, four sprint. I don't know what a three, four sprint is. I'm going to sprint the whole time, you know, regardless if you're trying to reserve us, you know, and keep us steady. You know, um, you, you're bringing in a highly motivated individual, you know, and especially you guys said you're the Patriots. I, I can learn your system and I can learn through other players and I, I can hopefully try to fill a fourth of the, of the shoes that Vince Wolford left, you know, to fill in the organization. Those are some big shoes to fill. But – and like I said, and I'm going to keep preaching, and I tell everybody the same thing, I'm a hard worker. I work hard mm-hmm. for everything. So if I'm messing up and they're like, you know, three reps, hey, you're good, towards you want to get out? No, I want to stay in. Even when I'm tired, I still I think. That's one thing a lot of guys don't do. They don't think when they're tired. I'm thinking when I'm tired, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm going to keep saying I'm going to keep preaching to y'all. That's one thing I want to think for the conversation. I'm a hard worker. I want to do anything, you know, in order to make my – in order for the team to be successful, you know. So if I got to – hold down a triple team. I'm going to hold down a triple team in order for my linebacker to be successful. So, you know, that's all in all that I could really say about me coming into your organization in, in hopes that you guys pick me up. Definitely. And that's going to wrap up the Total Sports Live podcast here on Block Talk Radio. Again, we will, we love that thing, Richard, for coming on again. We're going to keep on tap on your career because I feel, and Eric and Phil, we both feel the same way. you got a bright, bright future coming up in the NFL and it's only going to get better from here on out. And you got, you got big, you got, as we say, you got, you got the talent to be, I think, I think I can speak for Erskine, you have the talent to be an NFL starter in the next few years. There's no doubt about it. Your skill and talent speaks volumes about that. And we just appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the both of you guys. Thank you guys for the interview and everything like that. Definitely. That's going to wrap up the show. Everybody have a good, have a good day, and we'll speak to you in the coming days. Thanks. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks.